out this morning. I'm actually going to start in um, Acts chapter 1. Of course, this is in your bulletin, but uh, I'm actually going to start reading with verse 6, even though I think it starts with verse 1 in your bulletin, so it'll be down just a little bit about halfway. So. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, <clears throat> and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, and as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little rough this morning, but I think we'll get through it. So, um, so the times, I, this is not the first time I've preached on the ascension. And uh, the times before, you know, I, 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 uh, we've, we've kind of, you know, we used to kind of joke a little bit. So I told uh, Nick, I said, you know, this is going to be the, the first Sunday I think we should start bringing props into our into our message, you know, like some of these famous preachers do, you know. And and but how would you have a prop with the ascension, right? So I'm thinking a zip line, you know, from the front and back, you know. No, not really. <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> so the ascension of Jesus is kind of one of those things, if you think about it, that is. Uh, not exactly something that the modern scientific community knows what to do with. You know, a guy in scripture levitates his way into heaven and goes up into the clouds, Jesus. Um, and so the modern, modern world, you know, they, they're not going to, they don't accept that. They're not going to accept that as, as some truth like we do of scripture. In reality... Like so much of scripture, it means things on another level than just on the surface. It means things that just, just more than just simply Jesus was taken up into the clouds. That alone is a great truth, but there's purpose behind it. There's purpose behind it. And that's what we're going to explore this morning. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> let's talk about the elements that Jesus or that we see in this event, the elements that we see in this event. And the most obvious element that I come across when I first read this passage is, and you see this elsewhere in Scripture, is the elements of the clouds. Um, Jesus is taken up into the clouds. And it does not say, it does not say that Jesus um, went up into heaven and he kept going, and he kept going until nobody could see him again. It doesn't say that. He didn't, he didn't disappear like a rocket taking off, disappearing into space. 
the passage reads that, that Jesus ascended and he was and a cloud took him out of their sight. A cloud took him out of their sight. So he went into the clouds and the cloud veiled him. The cloud took him out of their sight. <clears throat> so we don't, just speaking from a modern scientific standpoint, we don't know how high Jesus went up in the air when he's ascended. Um, we don't know how far he went up. We don't know his altitude, you know, <clears throat> how high he went. <clears throat> but at some point he went up out of sight with a cloud. So it wasn't, the point of the ascension isn't what a lot of people think, that Jesus rose to a higher plane and kept rising, but that he was lifted up for all to see. He was glorified. He was glorified in the cloud. Because the cloud comes again and again and again and again in Scripture. You have the cloud on Mount Sinai rolling in the fire in the cloud, and it represented the glory of God. It represented God in his glory in a, a way that on one hand people could relate to, but on another hand, it was supernatural. Get a sip of my coffee. Chris, you want a coffee drop? I'll tell you what, I'm going to pass on that. So, but, but thank you for the offer. <coughs> if it gets bad enough, I might take you up on it. So, <clears throat> so, um, so Again, that's the element of the cloud. He was glorified, and the cloud showed his glory. And, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But the next element, we see two men just appearing in this passage toward the end. And what is another example in the New Testament where two men in white robes appear? Anybody? Two. Two. Mm -hmm. any, any others? Transfiguration. Right. So this has happened before. We see the same thing happening again. Now was this Moses and Elijah appearing again? Like in the transfiguration? Or was it two angels? It doesn't really say. It says two men appeared. And so you have these two messengers coming and explaining you saw Jesus. Why are you staring up into heavens like you don't know what to do? He's going to come back in the same way that he left. So, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to another example of being drawn up into the clouds and show you the parallel here. So, in the Old Testament, what you have, let me turn to my notes so I get this right. <clears throat> What you have throughout the Old Testament is, of course, you know, the early days of the Old Testament, you have the tabernacle. And then you have the temple. And what happened with the tabernacle? What happened with the temple? Well, a priest on the Day of Atonement walked up into the, into the temple and entered the Holy of Holies. But, it, but that wasn't all there was to it. There was billows of incense around the Holy of Holies. And so this priest would ascend on behalf of the people up. And what was he doing? 
who is going up into a cloud, a cloud of incense. And he disappeared in that cloud of incense. People couldn't see where he went because he went into the Holy of Holies. He went into the place where God was, where God was located. <clears throat> and so there he interacted with Almighty God. He interacted with God the Father in the place of the Holy of Holies. If he was fortuitous and it was a good year of, of the Day of Atonement, he might even get a word from God. And then he would come back down out of the cloud, exit the temple, come back out of the cloud in the same way he went up. He would come back down and he would... Um, oh, thank you. He would... Uh, he would come back down and reappear out of the heavenlies, so to speak. <clears throat> so, obviously you're probably getting the parallel here that Jesus being the Son of God, being the perfect sacrifice for us, being the sacrifice that, that a, a bull or a lamb could not suffice, Jesus himself as the sacrifice goes and presents himself in the real Holy of Holies. The place of God the Father on the throne. And he is accepted by God. His sacrifice is accepted and so <clears throat> he takes his seat at the right hand of the Father. <clears throat> and as a result he, he intercedes on our behalf for all this time, he's interceding on our behalf before God the Father. Because he's the only perfect sacrifice that could go up into the cloud, into the Holy of Holies, into the place of God, you see. So this is the cosmological Holy of Holies. This is the place of, of Almighty God in the place of God, in heaven. That's where Jesus went. Just like the high priest went to the place of God at the high point in the temple, you see. <clears throat> this is exactly <clears throat> what the book of Hebrews says happened in Jesus' heavenly ascent. Hebrews 6-10 through 10 paints a picture of the scene when Jesus made his entrance into the presence of God, drawing on the Day of Atonement. Imagery. He portrayed God, Jesus, excuse me, as both the offering and the offerer. So, don't have to take my word for it. Take the author of the book of Hebrews. Uh, he, he does a much better job explaining this than I do. The theological implication here is that the ascension was the next step necessary in the whole plan of salvation. It wasn't just Jesus' way of getting off the earth. It wasn't just his way of, of exiting, making an exit, a grand exit. It was part of the very plan of salvation because Jesus had yet to ascend to his father when he told the, the, the women, don't put your hands on me, I have not yet ascended to the father. He still had to do that part. And that part is an important part of the whole story, you see. He had to do that part that the Old Testament priest would do. He had to present himself before God Almighty alive yet crucified, yet alive again. 
and sinless for Almighty God. And Almighty God had to accept Jesus to accept us. You see, that's the point. That's the whole gospel in a way. You can see other symmetries of this example in Scripture. The ascension is preceded, for example, by a period of 40 days, just like the Day of Atonement in rabbinical Jewish, Jewish uh, literature. Before his ascent, Jesus lifts his hands up to bless his disciples <clears throat> and then goes up into the presence of God, which is the same actions that Aaron performed before entering the tabernacle to complete the first great ritual of the sacrifice. <clears throat> so it's either I drink water or Craig preaches. So I think I probably need to drink water. <clears throat> What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because <clears throat> Nick is out. So, <clears throat> so um, special mention is made of the day of the cloud in which Jesus vanishes, which echoes Daniel's prophecy. Get this, this is fun. Daniel's prophecy of the Son of Man and the visual imagery in the Day of Atonement. If Jesus was the high priest presenting a sacrifice in the heavenly tabernacle, he would have to ascend to perform that very function. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Would somebody look that up and read it? Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Anybody? Craig, you got it? Craig will read it. <laughs> Daniel 7, 13 through 14. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Okay. So we've got a direct prophecy here of the uh, Son of Man who, of course, is often referred to as Jesus. Uh, he comes to the Ancient of Days and is presented before him. It's exactly what we're talking about. He comes to the Ancient of Days, which is God the Father, and presented it before him. And not only does he come to the Ancient of Days, it says he comes with the clouds of heaven. So here's the clouds again. Here's Jesus coming with the clouds, presenting himself before the Ancient of Days. And as a result, because he is the worthy sacrifice, we would not be. But because he is the worthy sacrifice, he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, never ending, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel writes. <coughs> So we see this in the Old Testament as well. And uh, this is a reversal. Uh, Connor was talking about great reversals in Sunday school this morning. This is a reversal of the way that mankind, humankind, imagine their gods operating. Because 
Unlike the Greek stories of some, uh, you know, godlike hero coming into the world, <clears throat> coming into the world and ultimately being humbled, maybe they would arrive in the world in greatness, ultimately humbled <clears throat> and brought down. Jesus arrived in humility. But the end story is he was lifted high and glorified. <clears throat> and that was his victory in the end because he did what we couldn't do by entering the presence of God. <clears throat> so in the ascension, Jesus showed death would not take him. It showed that he had defeated death, not just postponed it, but defeated it. Because he didn't, unlike Lazarus, he didn't die, rise again, and die later. That wasn't what Jesus did. <clears throat> and anybody else that was risen from the dead in the Bible, there were a couple, few other examples. <clears throat> but that's not Jesus' story. He died, came back, and he lives forever. Never to die again. <clears throat> now I'm going to, it's going to be kind of a short one today, but I'm going to finish up with a word from 1 Thessalonians. Because we can't talk about the ascension of Jesus without talking about how ultimately it will affect us in the end, in the end times. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 4, <coughs> verse um, 16. For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. See, we will ascend as well. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, brothers and sisters, encourage one another with these words, as the scriptures say. So let me close with this. <clears throat> I want to encourage you, speaking to myself too, I want to encourage you to develop or redevelop if you've lost it. A sense in your Christian life of knowing how things are going to end. Some people call it an eschatological mindset. Eschatological mindset. Um, but that really just means fan into flame in your heart that longing to see Christ again. And, and let that speak into your actions in your life. Let that guide you. Let the fact that we're ultimately victorious. And we too will rise and ascend with Christ and meet Him in the air. Let these things speak to you in your life and live victoriously. Uh, we usually hear that we often hear that only at funerals. That's what I usually hear that, <clears throat> that passage read. But it's a great passage and it speaks of our victory in the end. <clears throat> so brothers and sisters, <clears throat> let the ascension speak into your life and I pray that you live a life where your mind and your heart are ascended to the things of God in all that you do. May your heart and mind rise to God like Christ did. Amen.